Good morning. <clears throat> so good to be back here with you all after a week away on, on vacation where we were very much flooded in and were concerned whether or not we would even be able to make it back to, to, to Nicholasville. It is very encouraging to be back here with you all now. And I'm going to have to ask you to bear with me this morning. I've, I've drank my particularly nasty tea and swallowed some awful cough syrup, and I'm going to do my very best to get through this lesson without coughing <laughs> throughout the whole thing. But I, I do want to encourage you to take your Bibles out and follow along with me as we get into this lesson, because in preparing for it, my favorite lessons are ones that I need. Those are the lessons that I usually try to prepare uh, to, to bring here, lessons that I take something away from, lessons that, that deal with issues that I've had in my life or things that I just need to grow in. And this particular series of lessons is one of them that I needed in my life, and I hope that it can be helpful for you as well. There's a quote that says, If you want someone to believe something, if you want someone to believe something, you have to tell it to them over and over and over. Repetition. Makes sense. If you want someone to believe something, we have to continue to say these things over and over and over again. That quote sounds like a wise quote. The man that said it, supposedly, is a man by the name of Joseph Goebbels. I'm probably getting that last name wrong. What he is, or was, was the right minister of propaganda to Nazi Germany. Now that quote doesn't sound quite so good, does it? What I want to talk about this morning and this afternoon is the propaganda that is oftentimes brought up in our own minds due to fear. Living in fear is similar to living being brainwashed. We allow propaganda, we allow false lies that are meant to bolster one thought to take control no matter how big or small the issue may be in our lives in such a way that we just can't move past it. We get stuck dealing with this issue. It's described sometimes as feeling like I'm just cowering in a corner. It's described as if I've been shoved down in a ditch and no matter how hard I crawl and, and scrap to, and try to fight my way out of this ditch, I just can't get out. This is what was on my mind a few weeks ago when I posted this to Facebook. We'd studied this not too long ago, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. As we studied through that, I thought that there's something that I can work on in my life. What I said was, I hope to do a better job this year in, in fulfilling this verse in my life. I have felt the effects of fear, or faint-heartedness, as this verse calls it, in so many ways throughout my life, and I'm thankful for my God who has guarded my heart, and I hope to assist others and navigating through their fears to find the peace of God which is beyond understanding. That's what I hope to do with this lesson, these lessons today. Both this morning and this afternoon's lessons will focus on this. Because the fact is, I am a father, I am a husband, I am a son, I am a brother, I am a friend of people who have dealt with fear, faint-heartedness in their lives I am a person myself who has dealt with fear in my life. And I hope to be able to help them and I hope to be able to help others. And maybe this, that is a desire that you have this morning as well. Is to overcome fear in your life or assist someone else in overcoming fear in their lives. And so what I'd like to do is get into God's Word and find what it reveals about His character and use that to, to understand how we can set ourselves free from fear. 
a verse that is very often in my mind. <clears throat> one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not given us a spirit, as the New American Standard says, of timidity. Maybe your translation says of fear. He's not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. That's ever on my mind as I was thinking about these, these words this morning. And I thought to myself, maybe it would be good to begin by understanding what fear is. Because I'm afraid we, we, we so often misclassify fear as something that is just reserved for the young. It's just something that our kids deal with. And that's part of the problem that fear has in our lives. It's because when it becomes a childish thing, I can't tell other people about it because they're going to think I'm childish as well. Fear is not something just reserved for the youth. It is something that controls so many people's lives and is such an important part even in other people's lives. And so we need to understand what it is we're talking about. Fear is a strong emotional reaction to danger. It is a strong emotional reaction to danger, whether that is real danger or whether it is imagined danger. Sometimes our fears are rational, sometimes they're irrational, but fear is the response emotionally to that perceived danger. And it is a protective device given to us by a loving Creator. And I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Doesn't that contradict what I just said about 2 Timothy 1.7? God has not given us a spirit of fear. How can I say then that fear is given to us by God? It's because fear is woven into our minds as a natural reaction to protect us. Whenever we have fear welling up in us, it actually activates parts of our body, our physical systems, because it perceives danger that must be, must be met. Here's what's happening. I found this interesting as I was preparing for this, reading about what happens when fear is going on in your life. A part of your brain, the forefront of your brain, the hypothalamus, begins to activate. It controls that flight or fight uh, response to, to whatever the issue is. And when it activates, one of the first things that happens, I'm beating my microphone here, one of the first things that happens is your heart starts to pump. And it starts to circulate blood through your whole body. And as it's gotten that blood flowing to all of your body, it also sends a signal to your adrenal glands. And they put out two very important chemicals into your body. One is cortisol. Cortisol is a hormone that says, I don't need certain parts of my body to function right now because there's more important things that need to be done. Maybe I, I need to focus all of my energy on, on running away, and so I'm going to shut down the digestive tract because the digestive tract has never helped me run any faster. But at the same time, while it's pumping cortisol into your body, it's also pumping adrenaline, which is that big energy boost that is going to start fueling everything and it combines that with a chemical called glucose. Glucose is specifically made for our muscles. Almost like there was a design there that tells our muscles, it is time to power up. It is time to run for your life. When I understood all that, I realized fear is an awesome trait that God created in His people to protect them from danger. And so maybe... I, our, our, our first thing that we need to understand this morning, the first thing that I want you to get whenever you're thinking about fear is what's wrong with fear? Nothing. Fear is not wrong. Fear is something given to us by the Father. And I'm thankful for it. I am very thankful for it. 
I'm thankful for it when I'm hiking through the woods. Early in the morning, we're, we're on our way to the deer blind, and it's dark, and I can't see, and I don't want to turn my flashlight on because I'm convinced that's just going to scare all the deer in the woods away. And so we're walking, and I hear something rustling in the bush next to me. And then I take another step, and I hear it rustling like it's getting closer. And so my heart starts pumping, and I can feel all of those effects of fear. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to run to that blind. And it doesn't matter if it was a bear or if it was a bunny rabbit. I'm thankful that God created systems in my body to protect me. Fear is not wrong, but living with a fear-based mentality. Or as Paul wrote to Timothy, a spirit of fear. That is not from God. And so we need to find some answers to some questions whenever we are dealing with fear. Primarily is where does this fear come from? Where does my fear come from? Because answering these questions can help us to determine how it is that I'm going to be able to enjoy freedom from a spirit of fear, a mentality of fear. And when we realize that while, yes, God has given me fear to protect me, He's given me the emotion of fear, but now I've allowed that to control me. I've allowed what He has given me for my benefit to become a negative effect in my life. It now defines me. It now is, is filled my life. And I'm just tired of being filled with fear. What do we do? Well, we begin by asking questions. And I say the first question that we ask is we go to God and ask for help. We go to God and, and bring our problems to Him. I want you to think about the psalmist. This is David. In Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. David, a man after God's own heart. David, a mighty warrior who in his youth grabbed the lion by the beard and smote him along with the bear and the wolf, David, who killed the Philistine champion, the, Goliath, the giant Goliath, David had anxiety. David had fears. And when he had these moments where things looked hopeless and when he felt the grip of fear in his life, listen to what he said. He said, God, search my heart. Not that God needed his permission. God's eyes are, are open. Everything is, is open before the eyes of our God that we must give an account for. He didn't need permission from David to search his heart, but David wanted that. He opened his heart to God and said, Father, look what's in here and help me to understand. If there's something that's hurtful to me, help me to see it. And we need to begin our quest for freedom by coming to God and asking Him, Father, what is it that I'm really afraid of? What is really controlling me right now? Ask Him to help you. Father, help me to see my own heart with wisdom and find what the true source of my fear is because oftentimes it is true that whatever I'm afraid of today, whatever has really got me so, so worried and anxious today has roots in something in our past. And so we can think about questions like that. Is this fear that I'm feeling? Is my fear tied to recent events? Is it tied to things that are happening right now? Or did it originate from some situation in my past? Was there something that I experienced? Was there something that happened to me? Was there something that, that was done that has caused me to overlay that past experience on top of new ones? 
Ask your question like this. Is the object of my fear a true threat? Or is it something that I have perceived to be a threat? Is it something that is made up? I know one for me in my life that was very important for me to answer was, is my fear wrongly associated with an event? Is my fear wrongly associated with an object? When I was a child, I just revealed this to one of my sons the other day for the first time. I was convinced, convinced that our windows somehow held the, the, the gateway to another dimension where evil things lived. I was wrongly associating fear with a, a pane of glass. We laughed about how humorous that was, but I couldn't look at windows. I remember growing up, I'd walk to my bedroom looking down because I was convinced if I look at that window, I'm going to see something there that is just terrifying. And it took me a long, long time, longer than I'd care to admit, to finally move past that fear. We also need to ask ourselves, is this fear the result of something? An event, a relationship, an object, a lifestyle even? Is it the result of something that doesn't even exist anymore? Somebody that hurt me. Something that, that, that caused pain in my life that no longer even is, is a, available to do that to me anymore. We need to ask these questions and seek the wisdom from the Father as we do so. Sometimes the very freedom that we need it can begin to be found in just the answers to the, some of these questions. And what I want you to think while you're asking these questions and, and is that this is not a waste of time. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8 says, The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of the fool is deceit. Deceit, that's where fear lies in its power. The foolishness of the fool is to say that I, I, I don't need to know the answers to these problems. I'll just continue believing the lie that I've told myself over and over and over again. And it has become such a truth ingrained in my head. And God is saying that we can actually discern by seeking to understand our ways a root for a lot of the problems that we're dealing with. And so the wisdom uh, in, in the Proverbs oftentimes is to, is to seek for answers. And so as we search for answers to questions like, like the ones that we just put up here, what we're looking for is what is the root cause for, for my fear? Where does my fear stem from? And I want to give you just a, a little bit of a help in your search, a cheat. Pretty much everyone is going to find this to be the root cause. And it is a wrong belief. That wrong belief is no matter what the fear is, no matter what that original root cause is, the stem where, where all of our fear comes from is I don't have control. I don't have control over my fears. I don't have control over, over the things that I'm afraid of. I can do nothing to, to solve that. And so my only recourse is to try and avoid all fearful circumstances in my life. That is a spirit of fear. And I want to suggest this morning that we need to move from that belief to one that's based more in truth getting away from deceit, getting back to truth. A truthful belief is, you know what, I can face fearful situations. And when I do, I will focus not on my fears, but on the strength of God. Fear does not have to control me because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I'm in those situations, I will think about His love 
And I will think about the power that He has given to me in the face of fear. 1 John 4.8 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. I will think about His love. I will dwell upon that whenever I face fear. And so I will ask these questions, seeking wisdom, seeking to understand my way to get to the root cause. And I will find that I can have control because I have the power of God, the power of Christ and His love which drives out fear. And so I'm thankful this morning. I am so very thankful to know that I don't have to live with fear. And I hope that you can be thankful for that as well, to know that you don't have to live in fear either because we can accept the truth, not continue to live in deceit, knowing that God loves us and that He has provided power so that we can be freed from oppression. That is the truth that I want to dwell on as I think about the the answer to fear in my life is the fact that Christ came to free oppressed people and fear is a form of oppression. Sometimes it's an impression that we place on ourselves. Sometimes it's a form of oppression that other people use to manipulate you to do what they want. Constantly putting fear into the life of maybe a spouse or a friend so that they, will, they always have to have that, that connection to me. What I want us to know is, no matter what the circumstances, Christ came to free oppressed people. Look over at Luke chapter 14. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verses 14 through 21. Most of our passages are going to be on the, on the overhead, but there's a few I wanted to read together. Luke 4, 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And He began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And He came to Nazareth where He'd been brought up, as was His custom. He entered the Sabbath synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today... This Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Christ came to free mankind from oppression. How? How does Jesus help with freeing mankind from oppression? How does Jesus help with freeing people from fear? How does He do this? One way is by calling them to face their fears with Him not by themselves. Look over at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 and verses 22 through 33. Immediately He made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of Him to the other side while He sent the crowds away. After He had sent the crowds away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. And when it was evening, He was there alone, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the seas. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, 
It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. He said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Peter is facing a great fear for certain. They're out in the middle of this terrible, terrible storm, one that risks their lives, one that risks the boat. They, they have very little hope of surviving. And Jesus comes out and invites Peter to walk on the water with him. He's facing this fear, and he's facing it in the very presence of Jesus. And yes, he took his eyes off of Christ. And he began to sink. He began to succumb back to that fear. But there's something interesting in this passage that, that rings out to me. And it's not just that he was in the physical presence of Christ. I think that this, this account would have been perfectly possible for Christ had he not even been there. Had he still been on the mountain. Christ still would have had the ability to allow Peter to walk onto the water. It wasn't that he was in the physical presence of Jesus said he was in the presence of truth. The presence of the creator of water was there with him saying, you can walk on water with me. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the truth. What he's doing is helping people to face their fears with truth. And Peter, we'll keep using him for example now, he needed to see that truth in front of him. His fear might have been, I can't walk on water. That's impossible. I'm going to sink. I'm going to drown in this terrible storm. The fact was, even as he was thinking those things, I imagine he was thinking those things, he was standing on the water. The creator of water was standing in front of him, making it so. It's when he took his eyes off of Jesus. It's when he took his eyes off of truth and focused on the winds and the waves and all that was raging around him that he began to sink into fear. And we do this so often. We choose to listen to fear and lose track of the truth that's right in front of us. The fear might be, I can't help this fear. There's nothing I can do to stop being afraid. Psalms 27 verse 3 says, Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. David is saying it doesn't matter what is out there. Though war rises against me, in the spite of this, I shall be confident. The fact is, the truth is, the feeling that I am experiencing is a bluff. It is something that, a propaganda, it is something that has been, that either I or somebody else has raised up in opposition to truth. And I can control it. I can stop being afraid. Another fear, I think, you know what, I think I'm going to die. I just know it's going to happen. There's, I've been on WebMD all night, and I just know I've got, the, we've been joking around this morning, I've got the coronavirus. I'm not going to make it. Job 14, verse 5 says, Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, and his limits you have set so that he cannot pass. Job is talking about the knowledge that God is in control. 
In Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. See, the truth is, the time of our death, that's not in our hands. It's in the hands of God. And I know that the hands of God are righteous and that they are tr- just and, I can lo- and that they are full of love. And I can trust in Him. So I don't need to fear that. Another fear that sometimes we have is I'm afraid what other people are going to think of me. I'm afraid what they will, they will think if I say this or if I do that or if I don't do these things. I'm afraid that it might change our relationship. I'm afraid that they might not love me as much anymore. I'm afraid that they might not respect me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. You see, peace doesn't come from knowing men are pleased by us. Peace comes from knowing God is pleased by us. Another fear is, you know what, I'm hopeless. I want to stop. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's something else. I want to stop doing the things that I'm doing. I want to stop being controlled by this sin, no matter what it is. And I can't. There's no hope for me. But 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, which I apparently forgot to put up there, tells us that in Christ, all things are new. I am a new creature. I am a new person in Christ. And the old is done away with. And the last one that I want to think about is the fear that, as we mentioned before, to be safe, I have to be the one that's in control. I have a family member that is terrified of bridges. Won't drive on them. Plans the routes around them. If there's no way around them, she can't be the one that's driving. Terrified of bridges. She has to be in control. She's going to manipulate everything in her lives to, be, to, to facilitate this fear that she has. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8 says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. God is in control of my life. And God is with us every step of the way. And there will be plenty of times when I feel like I've lost all control of what's going on around me. But I know that God is with me. And if God is with us, who can be against us? What do we have to fear? What I want you to take from this lesson this morning is that you do not have to be controlled by fear. But as Jesus pointed out to Peter and to the other disciples, our fear is an indicator of our faith. In Matthew 14, he asked, You have little faith, why did you doubt? In Mark, 40 verse, or Mark 4, verse 40, he said, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So we're going to talk about this afternoon. How do I replace my fear with faith? How do I build up a faith in my life that can overcome fear? And I encourage you, come back and join us for that lesson. But maybe you're here this morning and you know, I've been living in fear and I know the true source of removing it from my life is God. I know what He has done for me and I'm ready to change and I want to change. What do I do? Turn back over to 2 Corinthians.
passage that was just up on the board a minute ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll start reading together in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. If you want to change, if you want to no longer live in fear, especially the fear of standing before God in judgment, the fear of having your trespasses, your sins counted against you on the day of judgment. If you want to set yourself free from these fears, the good news from God is that He gave His Son to reconcile you. He gave His Son who knew no sin to represent sin on our behalf. He gave His Son to die on a cross as a sacrifice for your sin, for the sin of the world. And now, those who are in Him, those who are in Christ, are reconciled to God, are blameless, are righteous, are fearless before our Lord. Do you want that today? There are so many examples in Scriptures of people that were just like you who did just the same things that you went through, the same things that you're going through. And as we look at those, we find over and over again that they were told about Christ and what He'd done. They believed in Him as the Son of God. And they were baptized into Him for the forgiveness of their sins. And they confessed their belief that He is living and that He is King over their lives. Not only in word, but in action. They walk steadfastly. We can follow their example today and know the outcome will be the exact same. We can be reconciled. We can remove fear from our life. And we can put on faith. And that's what we want to help you with this morning. If there's anything we can do, won't you please come forward right now. We can talk about that together as we stand and sing the song of invitation.